1 Corinthians 1 verse 9 says, God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, and therefore ever true to his promise. And he can be depended on. By him you were called unto companionship and participation with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yes. Now, last week we talked about, really, about God being faithful. Because it's important for you to know that the God that we serve is faithful beyond a shadow of a doubt. Once you understand that God is faithful, then you have no problem spending time with him. When you establish that God is faithful, you have no problems praising him. When you establish that God is faithful, fellowship becomes easy. Because you understand no matter what's happening in your life, you know that God is still faithful. No matter what it looks like, no matter what they tell me, I know that God is faithful. See, and when you have that very basic principle of his faithfulness and he being reliable, dependable, trustworthy, I probably could go through the Boy Scouts thing like, uh, like the pastor did last Wednesday. But when you go through all those things and you understand the very nature of God, then the next reasonable step for you as a believer, if you believe it and that's deep inside your heart, is to show that out in everything that you do. In other words, fellowship. Now, I asked God a very specific question. I said, Lord, I want to know why is it that I can pray and believe for things and experience just a portion of what you have for me? And his answer to me was fellowship. Now, I'll explain this to you. Why your fellowship will directly impact you receiving from God. See, and a lot of folks don't really want to talk about it because it's easy for me just to, you know, be mean and be nice on Sunday and then praise and have a good time and still not really experience all that God has for me. So let's talk about fellowship, fellowship with God. I'll give you a quick definition. Said Fellowship is the relationship with God. Every man has a fellowship with God, whether they know it or not. The relationship with God that's disrupted by sin, yet established through Jesus Christ. So sinners have a fellowship with God, but their relationship is disrupted by sin. Believers have a relationship with God that was disrupted by sin, but now has been established through Jesus Christ. So every person on this planet has a relationship with God, whether they like it or not. It just all depends on how much they utilize it. You, as a believer, have crossed past the disruption and now said, you know what, Jesus, you are now my founding principle to establish that personal relationship with God our Father. The issue that we come into during church is that believers continue to act like their relationship has been disrupted and not established in Jesus Christ. Therein lies the rub. See, that's why it's okay for you to come into church because you know Jesus Christ, but you don't really know him. And it's okay for me to come into church and cuss you out in my head because you sat in my seat. Because I don't have a true relationship with God. What I have is just fellowship with with an idea of what it should be. Now, last week, I said I wasn't going to beat you up or batter you or bludgeon you. I am not making that statement today. See, because the things that need to happen in your life require this very basic thing to happen. 
when you have your when you have your relationship established with God through Jesus Christ, this provides the only proper basis for any other relationship that you have, bar none. Your fellowship with God is the template for how you should act with every person that you meet. Every single one. So when you come to a fellowship in church, you should be able to see what your relationship with God is by how you fellowship with each other. Think of it like walking around with a giant mirror all of the time. Your fellowship with God is a direct reflection of how you're going to treat your brother or your sister. Now, if you had to walk around with a gauge on your chest that said, this is where my relationship with God is, and everyone could see it, you think your fellowship would shape up just a little bit? Just a little tiny, tiny bit? Huh. See, so I could walk up to you and say, oh, man, you haven't fellowship with him all week. Yeah. Means you're going to be meaner than the devil, so I'm going to stay away from you. <laughs> Said, well, you know, I, I see you and you came out Wednesday night and you prayed about five minutes, but you missed a call on Monday. So you might be a little bit nicer. So I might talk to you today. Right. But your mater says that I should probably stay away from you, too. <laughs> so, but, oh, I, I see what you have. And I see that your fellowship with God, you've been fellowship with him all week. You've been talking to him. You've been spending time. You've been having a conversation. You've been getting to know each other all week. Said So now you're actually filled with the love of God. So I know that when I have a conversation with you, everything should be fine. And I want to come and spend time with you because you've already had that established relationship that we as believers should all have. So... So it's really hard when we choose not to embrace this concept. If you have your Bible, let's go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. We're going to read 3 through 7. And I'm going to read this to you in the Message Bible. Okay. So it says, we saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us. This experience of communion or fellowship with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. Your joy will double our joy. So you see relationships here being established that if you actually follow this plan and experience true fellowship with God the Father, being around you will make me feel better about me. So this, in essence, is the message we've heard from Christ and are passing on to you. God is light, pure light, and there's not a trace of darkness in him. If we claim that we experience a shared life with him, and continue to stumble around in the dark, we are obviously lying through our teeth. We're not living what we claim. But if we walk in the light, God himself being the light, we also experience a shared life with one another. As the sacrificed blood of Jesus, God's son, purges all our sins. 
You know, I remember this verse, and it was funny, I was singing it to Callie. Um, my mom bought me this tape. God, I'm maybe six years old. As if we walk in the light. See, and you even know it. We'll have fellowship one with another. Here is what he wants for you. He said, if you decide to do this, if you are actually living true to what you say you believe, if you're actually fellowshipping with him, then it should exude out of you. Not just to make yourself feel better about you or make your neighbor feel better, but to draw somebody else in. So now you'll start to establish just the whole purpose of fellowship so you can become an agent for God to bring his family back to him. The Great Commission says, this is what I want you to do. Teach this word, spread it out throughout the entire world because I desire that everyone come back to me. Now God himself has the ability to come down and speak to every single one of those people. But it's more efficient if he has his disciples who say they believe actually do the job that they were intended to do. Uh Now, we read here in 1 Corinthians, it says, I called you to this. So you're not a believer by accident. Contrary to popular belief, it wasn't your choice. He chose you for a specific task. And when you decide not to fellowship with him and each other, you're not doing your job. Basically, what you're saying is, Lord, you know what? I'm just going to take a break. I'm going to take a break right now because what you're asking me to do, I can't do. I have no desire to do it. I don't want to do it. I just want to be locked into my own personal situation, and I choose not to spread your word because I don't want to fellowship with people because it takes too much effort. I don't want to walk in love because it takes too much effort. I would rather just sit here and be by myself and have an experience on Sunday and be fine. But when you do that, you don't really truly experience God's greatness. There's a reason why you pray for things and things don't happen. Because you haven't spent enough time, you haven't developed enough of a relationship, and God has decided that I asked you to do a specific job, and you've already said no to me, so why in my name would I bless you with anything more (laughs) when you will not do the basic function of your job? We ask God to bless us to a point where we become distribution centers. Right? The purpose of God blessing you is to bless someone else. And we understand that, but we don't practice that. And that is why the overtaking, sweeping off of your feet, knocking you out of the door blessing hasn't arrived yet because your fellowship shows that if it actually showed up, you wouldn't do with it what you were supposed to do. See, I asked that question. Lord, I've been praying a long time. I've been given a long time. What's happening? He's like, dude, I can't help you. He said, because what I need you to do is to have a heart of fellowship to want to spend time with other people and actually spread this gospel the way I want you to. He said, so if you can't spread the gospel, which costs you nothing, how can I bless you with material things that may cost you something? How can I do it? I won't do it. I can't do it. Because you want to be a blessing to someone else. Right. Yeah, right. See, we just read it right there. It says, you're lying through your teeth. It said, because if you wanted to do it, you would have no problem. That's right. 
you would have no problem actually doing what God says. You would have no problem coming to the house of worship. You would have no problem letting that meter show to everyone else. Yes, I'm his kid. I'm following his word. I am full of love, and I can't wait to love on you. But we won't do that. See, last week we talked about, and we had you all up here in a circle, and we talked about you know, the purpose of union and being together because it protects the house. It protects the leadership. But now we want to talk about protecting you. Your fellowship with God on a daily basis puts you in a position where you're protected by outside attacks. It puts you in a position where even when Satan comes to try to steal something from you, you're already protected by that. Because you have built up enough of a cachet that you know God is faithful. No matter what happens here, he will deliver me out of them all. That's right. When we talk about the Tyler's confession, when we read Malachi, it talks about him rebuking the devourer for your sake. He said, because we've been obedient, because we've started to stop the nonsense. So, you know what, Lord, I'm going to do exactly what you want me to do. And if that means that I'm going to take myself aside and fellowship the way you truly want me to, I am willing to do that. Not because I want to get all that you have, but I want to experience all that you are. Unity. You can't have fellowship if you're not united. Unity is the church being one. The church is one, in essence, because it's founded upon one gospel, united by one word, and indwelled by one spirit. Now, here's the tricky part. That one spirit should be the Holy Ghost. Should be the Holy Ghost. Now, it's in human nature to not want to come together because people are just concerned about their own things. See, and that's a spirit of division, which you actually find in some churches. Oh, my. Or you have folks that want to be unified but have that one spirit of unforgiveness. Oh, Oh my God. Or envy or strife or hatred or lust or jealousy. So now if you have all those spirits functioning inside this one body, you're dysfunctional. You're almost cancerous. In fact, that subject's probably not going to live very much longer because you have all of these things running around, not unified, being dispersed. When God wants you to be one heart, one mind, one spirit to accomplish everything that he has for you. Sister Malik, can I borrow you for a second? Come on. Now, I told you last week, I told you I was going to get you. I told you I was going to get you. I told you I was going to get you. Now, the day you got married, you and your husband kind of joined together, and you yes. became one. I'm standing for Jay. Wait, hold on. I'm going to stand in for Jay. Okay? Now, when the two of you became one, united, you guys have a clear plan for your family. You have a clear thought process for how you want to raise your children, where you're going to worship, how you're going to spend your money. All of those things are together. And as you guys walk through your life, come with me, you guys are together, unified. (laughs) Now, if you get in your head that you want to do something different, hey, you know what, I want to spend all my money on shoes, but he wants to save. (laughs) Now, 
we are stretched apart. That's right. Now, how can this family work if you're going that way and I'm going this way? That's right. It can't happen. That's right. See, but when we're together, say, you know what? This is the plan. This is the word that we've heard, and this is what we're going to do. It's much easier for us to go in any direction when we're together. Thank you very much. See, what happens in the church... What happens in the church is that a clear word is spoken, yeah. but people want to put their little bit on top. No, that's not what needs to happen. That's right. That's right. That's right. Say that again. See, he didn't make you the pastor. That's right. We already have one. That's right. In fact, we have two. That's right. There's a clear mandate for this church to grow. Yes. Exactly. A unified word That's right. to teach his unified church yes. so the unified church can grow exponentially. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, Lord, I am tired. I am tired. I'm tired of not getting everything that you have for me. So, well, get your fellowship together. Spend some more time with me. Fill that love tank up. Don't be afraid to show that meter off to people right. so you can attract other people to you. So that's what it does. The love of God, I see, is meant to bring people from over there and over there and over there to here. And when we as believers won't do that, then the whole chain falls apart. I got to get to this one verse. When you get a minute, read Romans 12, 5 through 9. And it talks about letting your love be sincere. It said, because as believers, you are mutually dependent upon each other for success. Romans says that. Not me. Romans says, you are dependent upon your neighbor for you to be successful. That's why your love has to be sincere. See, if your love walk is faulty or frailty or fake, then you're not going to be invested in the success of the person down the street or the person across the aisle from you. So, but if your love is sincere, you'll do whatever it is that you can to put that person above you. And when you do that, then you've put yourself in the position to receive from God. Because clearly it sends a signal, you know what? I am not the most important person in this equation. You are. And you are, and you are, and you are. Yes, so if right. I continue to see you as more of a priority than myself, yes. then God yes. will bless me beyond measure. That's right. That's right. That's right. And just think what happens when you have an entire church filled with people that prefer the other person yes. over themselves. Then you eliminate selfishness. That's right. Then jealousy goes out the window. Yes. Then unforgiveness doesn't even have a leg to stand on because we are all decided that, you know what, my best interest is your best interest. All from fellowship, all from spending time with God and with each other. Then you start to see it. See, when you read Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27, and I love love, love this verse. We'll start in verse 26. It says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Verse 27 says that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle 
or any such thing, but that it would be holy and without blemish. Now, this verse never made sense to me because I'm like, how can, like, what do you mean without spot or wrinkle? Like, I don't understand. See, but he is looking for that church. He is looking for that body of believers that is unified, on fire for him, filled with love, and whose only purpose is to serve God and make sure that his will is carried out. When he finds that church, he will explode that church. See, we got to get some of the wrinkles out. We need to get some of the spots out. Because I want him to show up here. And I'm not just talking about come through the door. I want him to blow the doors off. And after the doors have been blown off, I expect the roof to go too. Because if we decided, you know what, Lord, we're actually going to believe this word and operate the way you say we should. They'll come in in droves. You saw what happened in Acts. 3,000 people. A day. a day, one service, and it talks about all the people being unified, singleness of heart and singleness of mind. They pushed all the junk out and said, you know what, I'm willing to give everything that I have if it's going to help you. Now, I can't see how many folks would actually say, I'll do that. But I'm getting to the position where it's like, Lord, you know what? If you told me to give it all away, mm-hmm. I will give it all away because you showed me how to get it the first time right. and I know that you'll give it to me again. See, we have become stingy with this word. We have become stingy with the word. We've become stingy with our own personal experience. Like, you know what, the Lord blessed me, but I'm going to keep that to myself and I'm not going to tell you. See, but if I prefer you, over myself, That's right. say, let me tell you what the Lord did for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to talk about you for a second. Go ahead, help yourself, son. You had no incentive to speak to that woman right there. None. Mm-hmm. None whatsoever. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. But you spoke into her life mm-hmm. and spoke into my life mm-hmm. and helped two people become created All because right. your sole purpose was to make our right. lives better. That's right. Because from now, from the act that she did, I now have an extreme testimony to tell people. I tell folks that will listen at any time about how my children got here. Any any person that will give me 10 minutes, I will tell because that is what I am supposed to do. I am supposed to tell people of God's greatness. I'm supposed to show it out in my life that his hand is upon me. And when you decide to quell that emotion and you decide to keep it under wraps, you are doing God a disservice. He did not send his son down here to die for you, to shed his blood and remit all of your sins so you could just be locked in to your personal situation and zip your lips. It's like I'm looking for people that are going to tout my greatness. I'm looking for people that are going to open their hearts so that I can pour into them so that they can pour out to other people. The distribution center starts here with fellowship. I see it.
I, I, I'm not trying to live a life where I go broke trying to impress other people. Trying to impress people that I don't even know, that don't even know me. But what I would prefer to do is live a life that is acceptable unto God, where his anointing on me and his hand on my life speaks for itself. That's right. Where you walk into the room and people know that's the guy. That's that lady that I called because I see that there is something special about her. That's the life that I want to live. That is what I want to do. And if that requires me to actually love each other the way I'm supposed to, and I'm talking about a sincere love, then doggone it, that's what I got to do. I got to do it. See, because I have no idea the life that I'm supposed to impact. That's right. Just imagine if you would have never said a single thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. That's right. Imagine. Imagine on that day you said, you know what? My love is insincere. I don't care. I don't care about your struggle. I don't care about your trials. I don't care. You know what? I know what God can do for you because I know what he did for me, but I'm not going to share that with you. What if you did that? Yeah. Then I would have been lost. Yeah. Because you would have had no idea the point that I was at. That's right. She doesn't know where I was at at that point in my life. Yes. But you decided yeah. to be that person right. that would be used by God. Right. Now, I don't know about all of you, but I would rather be that person that pushed the button and said, That's yes, right. I will do. Yes. So we can see the hand of God move. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Every place else. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Ephesians chapter 4, and I, I'm going to I'm gonna try to sit down. And I, I know you guys have stuff to do. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1, and the King James Version says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, even as ye are called in hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, the thing that I like about this is verse one, where it tells you, this is God, talking to you, saying, hey, listen. Walk worthy of this vocation. He is patting you on the back and he's trying to get you ready. He said, I've called you to do something specific and something powerful in your life. He said, and don't let the bill collector or what so-and-so said down the street get you off. I said, because I got something for you. And he is trying to pump you up. He is turning that crank inside of you saying, listen, today cannot be the day that you fall short of what I've called you to do. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. He said, it can't be. 
said, because I am in you. We talked about this in 1 Corinthians, that God is faithful, dependable, able to be relied upon. And he is living and dwelling inside of you. Said, and what I want for you is for you to walk worthy of what I've called you to do. He is just begging, begging, pleading, pleading with you to actually embrace the job that you were supposed to do. Man, I'm all over the place. Romans 12 and 10 says, finally, be kindly to each other, preferring one another. Said, I want you to get to the point where you prefer being in this place, where you prefer the people that you worship with, where you prefer everyone over yourself. That's how you make friends. That's right. That's how you impact the world for Christ without slinging a sledgehammer at someone. That's right. See, because everything that you do as a believer should just be an invitation to Christ for someone else. That's right. Every single thing. The way you walk, the way you talk, the way you treat people, the way you worship, the way you fellowship. Because you yourself, you are a reflection of your relationship with God. So now, you as a believer, because you're carrying that giant mirror, and people can see this is God's love in me, and here's a picture, and here's a wonderful view of it. So now when you show it to people, you can show people that mirror, and they can see their reflection in this mirror. You, them, and God's love all together. That's right. That's right. That's good. You want to know how God loves? This is how he loves. That's right. That's right. That's ultimately what he wants you to get to the point of doing. So fellowship is so important because it teaches you how to operate like God. It does. It does. Yes. My time's gone. My time's gone. When you get a moment, read John 15, verse 1 through 17. I want you to read specifically in the Message Bible. Because it's important so you can see what your job function is. You can see it, you can know how to act, and you can know what the expectation is. All of these verses, we we haven't gotten to, I'd I'd say about two-thirds of them. And that's all right. What I want for you today, what he wants for you today, it's not even so much about me, but what he wants for you today is for you to be that fruitful branch. It says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you notice the nature of a vine isn't to be stagnant, a vine will take over everything. See, he didn't say I'm just a tree. I mean, because a tree will offer shade and you can go and you can hop into a tree and birds fly into it and that's great and they get rest. said, but a vine spreads much like mustard seed does. Spreads everywhere. And what he wants is for this vine right here to spread everywhere. 
being fruitful and bearing fruit. See, because there have been too many unfruitful branches that have been cut off of that vine. That's right. Like, yep, you know what? You weren't doing it. Got to go. Just clipped off, not pruned, removed. See, because pruning is a function of making it better. Yes, that's right. See, you, you don't prune a tree if you don't want it anymore. You prune a tree because you want it to grow. See, I have an annoying tree in my backyard, and my wife hates it. Annoying. And it's got branches all over it, and the birds come in, and she's like, you got to get rid of that tree. So, well, you don't cut it back. You just take it out the ground. You got to take it out. So I would much rather be pruned by God today. Lord, prune me. Get all of the dead leaves off, all of the places on me that aren't productive, that aren't fruitful. Shave them off so that I can start to bear fruit all of the time. Lord, I don't want you to remove me at all. I want you to clean me up. That's right. That's right. Clean me up so that I can bear fruit because you said that your tree isn't dead. Your vine isn't dead. It bears fruit. So I want to be fruitful and not barren. Second Peter 1 and 8 says, neither shall you be barren or unfruitful. If you are staying in this word, I'm not going to be barren anymore. I'm not going to be unfruitful. From this day forward, I'm not, going to al- I'm not going to allow my fellowship or my lack of fellowship to impact me negatively anymore. So that, because my relationship with you should make me better. My relationship with the people of God should make us better. And that's where we need to get to today. So do you possibly think that this is something that we could do? You sure? I mean, just a little bit. Just try it just a little tiny bit. Just try just, I mean, just just a smidge. Just try just a little bit of fellowship and see what happens. Just a little bit. And I'm talking about like sincere stuff. Just see what happens. Mm -hmm. Just see what happens because there will be a noticeable effect. It's your will. It'll be noticeable. So like the word says that if you believe me, the way you say you do, then we should see it. If not, you're lying through your teeth. And Lord, don't call me a liar. I would hate for God to call me a liar right to my face. That'd be terrible. So, but instead, he's going to say, you know what? That's that church right there without spot or wrinkle. That's that church right there with no blemish. That's that church where I show up and show up. That's them. Stand to your feet. We're going to let you guys get on out of here. See, you guys are still whole. I didn't swing the, the hammer at you. But this needs to happen. This needs to happen. And I, when I say it needs to happen, I mean it has to happen. Like in the worst kind of way. It will happen. It will happen. Because his house will be filled. And it will be filled with the right people. Yes, that's right. See, we want unity, singleness of heart, mind, right. one God, one word, that's right. and one Holy Spirit. That's right. That's it. So, Lord, we thank you today. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you today for the word that we have heard. Lord, we thank you for how we are going to get our fellowship right today. 
Lord, we thank you for how you spoke to us so clearly today so that we can receive all that you have and all that you are, Lord, so that we can be fruitful, no longer fruitless, but fruitful, Lord. Lord, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Lord, from this day forward, we will be very careful to make sure that we have a love that is sincere towards you and towards each other so that we can have that relationship, that fellowship that you are calling us to have. Lord, we thank you for how you've blessed all the folks that have gathered here today. Lord, we ask that you watch over and protect them from this day forth throughout the rest of the week. Lord, make sure that they reach their appointed destination without any hurt, harm, or danger. Lord, continue to keep that hedge around them, not only today, but every day from here forward, Lord. Continue to watch over them, bless them, Lord. Lord, we thank you how you are bringing that manifestation to every prayer that they've sent up to you today, Lord. We thank you for your hand moving in their lives, Lord. We thank you for this church, for this body of believers, for the leadership here, for the pastors, Lord, for even down to the most junior member. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you how you are sending people from the north North, south, east, and west. Lord, we thank you for this unified body that you have given to us, Lord, and we are excited to see what you're going to do in this place. Lord, we will make sure that this will be fertile ground for you to explode in this house, Lord. We thank you for it. Lord, we thank you. We receive everything that you have for us, Lord, today. We call it all done in Jesus' name and through your blood. Amen. 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 Amen.